First of all, I want to thank the Lord for another opportunity to be in his house. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? I want to thank the Lord for the just uh, being who he is. We serve a great God. Um, I've been mentioning this many places that I go. Well, I don't say many places. I don't get to go to a lot of churches much anymore. You know, I do the, the jail ministry, and I'm doing devotional on Facebook every other or Monday and Tuesday during the week, but uh, I'm thankful that God set up the church the way that he did. I'm thankful for the church. I'm thankful that this is a place that I can come and find truth. Because you're not going to find it anywhere else in this world. You know, with all the garbage that, that's just thrown out there at us all week long, and it's just sometimes you you got you to... Gotta, Weed through the garbage and pick out the pieces of truth here and there. But when I come into the house of the Lord and I open his word, I know it's right. And for me, the simplicity of the gospel, you know, for years I tried to make it harder than it needed to be. And for the, simplicity, the simplicity of the gospel is amazing to me. How it was written, you know, these events took place. They're not stories. For you, you know, I, I've, I've said I've called them stories for years, but these are actual historical events that took place that happened over two thousand years ago, and for even longer than that. You know, to the creation of the world. You know, they're just the simple truth, and I'm thankful that God set it up that way because I don't have to have an opinion. I don't have to try to figure it out. I've got enough to worry about, to have to, argue, to, have to figure out what's going on. It, it, all these things that's going on in my life, I can open up the Gospels and just believe it. Now, it's not always been that easy for me, but the older I get, the, more, the simpler it gets, because I don't have to argue. I don't have to try to figure it out. From time to time, I'll, I'll, we'll go down that rabbit hole. We'll study something that I don't truly understand. And most of the time when I do that, it's for my own enjoyment. I don't usually preach on those subjects, so I don't usually bring them out in the open, but I'll, I'll, dig, I'll go down a rabbit hole every now and then and just ask the Lord, what's this mean, or what should I do with it, or, or stop halfway down and figure it out. It was a waste of my time, you know, but I'm thankful that I can do that on my own, but uh, the, the simplicity of the gospel is just amazing to me, how it stills even the, the creation of the world all the way till now, it applies. We can apply it to our life. And it is the truth unto salvation. If you're here tonight and you're lost, I encourage you to seek after God. Amen. You know, as I was sitting over here, uh, just uh, listening to the music, and uh, there's a little spot right down here that means a lot to me. It's not my spot, but it's one that I care about dearly spot. I remember the night that Madeline became lost and she came up here on a Thursday night right there. If y'all ever change carpet, y'all cut that little triangle out for me right there, or a diamond. I mean, I want that little spot right there to take home with me. Yeah, that might mean a lot to others, but it means a lot to me right there. You know, you think that a six-year-old can't pray. Let me tell you, they can. When the Lord got a hold of her, she prayed like a grown adult. She was troubled. Listening to her broke my heart. And uh, I'm thankful that God heard that prayer too. And I'm thankful for her and I'm thankful for my son Logan and my wife. And I hope and pray that Isaiah gets saved before too long. He hasn't even really, he's asked questions, but that's as far as it's went. And I know and I'm, I'm, I'm confident and I hope I portray this to my kids that, you know, Madeline and Isaiah, Logan both got saved almost really close to the time they, got, they became lost. And you don't have to go a long time seeking after the Lord. But it needs to be the most important thing on your mind and heart at the moment that you're seeking him. You know, I wish there was a, you know, sometimes I wish there was a prayer that I could tell you to pray. I wish there was an act. I said, go do this and you'll get saved. But, you know, I can't. I can tell you you got to pray. I wish I could make it easier, but I can't. Um, but I can tell you this. If you're here and you're lost and, 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 you're going to have to get to the point where you want God more than your own self, more than your own life. And the advice that you've been given here, I would encourage you to listen to it, to pray. 
If you're here tonight and you're lost and God's not dealing with you, that should scare you. If if you're able to wake up in the morning and feel okay and you're lost, you should be scared right now. Because I want you to understand, once you become lost, there's no little bit lost or little less lost. You're, You're lost until the moment you find peace with God. It doesn't change. The punishment's the same. Whether you feel the condemnation or the conviction of God, or you can ignore it and you can go on about your life, it doesn't change the fact that you're still lost. It only changes when God speaks peace to your heart. So if you're sitting there tonight and you can come into church and you can ignore, or maybe you don't feel it this time, I want to encourage you that you need to ask God to convict you tonight. Ask God to trouble your heart tonight. You shouldn't feel okay at any time in your life until you know that you're right with God. If we as, as God's children has, have given you a false sense of security because, you know, you're, I wanna, I'm, we need to stop that. You know, it bothers me, and, 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 I, and my wife says I get angry. I don't get angry. I just take it, I take it to a serious level that when a lost child is lost, you don't bother them. You don't touch them. Unless God is convicting you and telling you to direct you to go talk to that person, you leave them alone. God don't need me involved. He don't need you involved unless he's telling you that there's something you need to say. Because God is sufficient. He is fully capable of saving a lost soul without interference. And it's important to me. And I, and I say that hesitantly. I don't say that in anger. I don't say that in judgment. I say that that's just the seriousness of the matter to me. And, and, and because I want to make sure they get that right. And if you, again, if you're here tonight and you're, you're, you don't feel that conviction, you don't feel that trouble, and I want to encourage you to pray to God, God, trouble my heart. Because whatever else is going on isn't important. You should be seeking after God tonight and asking him to trouble your heart. Ask him to get me where I need to be. You know, as a saved individual, I learned this from Sarah Beth. I heard her say it years ago that she would ask the Lord to help her pray. And as a saved person, I have to do the same thing. I have to ask God to clear my mind and to clear my heart and to help me get in a condition that I can pray. Because just like I talked about earlier, there's so much garbage out there in the world that enters our mind and affects our heart that there's sometimes I have to stop. I, like I'll start a prayer and I know it's not going anywhere. And I have to stop and ask God for number one, I have asking for forgiveness multiple times a day. Forgiveness and to clear my mind of these worldly thoughts and to clear my heart of anything that might be standing in the way that he could hear my prayer. And you need to do the same. If you're here tonight and lost, it might be ask God to, to, to take away the distractions. If there's something that you've been holding on to, ask God to help you let it go. And, you know, I don't know what it is, but God does, and he can get you where you need to be, that he is capable of uh, of clearing that mind and heart so that you can pray and get through, get through to him. Why do I start my message this way? Because this is the way Jesus came. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 15, and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe in the gospel. I want want the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Repent and believe the gospel. If you're here tonight, that's what you need to do. You need to repent. You need to ask God to forgive you. Ask him to trouble your heart and go seek after him. Find him. And you don't have to wait for an altar call. You don't have to wait to the end of the service. I want to encourage you, if you're lost here tonight and the Lord troubles your heart at any time during the service, I want you to know that you can come up here and pray and you're not going to hinder us in any way. Because that should be the most important thing on your heart, is finding God. And I want to encourage you, that doesn't have to take forever. It doesn't have to take years. But it has to be right, and you can ask God to help you get to that point. 
Now, the thought that's on my heart tonight is not to the lost. But it's just a, a simple thought tonight. It's not nothing profound, or, but it's just something that I, that I came across that I just want to encourage the church tonight. I want to encourage God's people. You know, as, as, many times when I walk in this building, the first thing I do is I look up at the ceiling. I don't know why. It's something I've always done every time I walk in here. It's just the, 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 the woodwork on the ceiling to me is beautiful. And I think about, man, if, those, if that ceiling could talk and tell the stories of history's past. Man, it just, I, just, I find this church is so beautiful and, and the, the, the history behind it. But this is just a building. This is not the church. You guys are the church. As I went to Belize back in March, the first message that I preached there, I, I stood behind the pulpit. I said, this is the most beautiful place I've ever been in my life. And it wasn't the country. It wasn't the jungle. It wasn't anything of, of Belize that caused it to be beautiful. It was those people that I was standing in front of. That's the church. It's the people. And to me, God's church is beautiful. They bring all sorts of people, all, all different lifestyles and different uh, um, um, jobs and, and different likes, and they bring them all in one, one place and one accord. And, and, and just, just, there's nothing like it. I was talking to somebody today, and, and, and I know this might sound a little, a little silly, but uh, it's, just, it's the way it affects me. You know, I, I, I can go to a football game with there's, when there's thousands of people there, and they're cheering for that one team and one accord. It'll move something in me. And, and I don't know how to describe it, but it almost bring a tear to my eye just to hearing all these people screaming for one thing. Or, or I went to a NASCAR race and hearing the power of those cars start up at one time or, or go by and, and all those fans cheering in one accord for, for this moment of these, these cars driving by will almost uh, work up something inside of me. And I'm thinking to myself during that moment, could you imagine if all these people uh, were, and all of God's people were shouting in one accord for, for him? If their mind and their hearts were, were aligned in, in a way, could you imagine the power that would bring to this world? Maybe it's just that the Lord just lets me know that's just how heaven's going to be. You know, the Bible tells us that we're going to be we're scattered about around this world in little bands here and here. But can you imagine how sweet it's going to be one day when we're in heaven and we're all singing in one accord, lifting up... The Father, lifting up the Son, being there in His presence. You know that my favorite thing about heaven is no more sin. When I think about heaven, I think about the moment where I get to be there and I don't let my Father down anymore. I don't have to let Him down anymore. It, you know, and it hurts when I let my Father down, and I do it daily. And 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 I wish, you know, I hope and pray that I can continue on that that path of sanctification and and get to a point where it's not near as much, but. Letting my father down hurts. Sinning against my father, the one that loved me so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for my stead. That gave me that peace. That's what I long for in heaven. And I also long while it is, you know, Brother Reynolds said the other night that he's, he's prepared to go, but he's not ready to go because there's such a work to do. There's so many out there that's still lost. And, I, and as I thought about that and, and thought about the condition that he's in now, you know, that's going to have to be our cry. That's going to have to be our heart's desire because his time is drawing shorter. It should be our heart's desire. Our, our, my generation, the young people that are here today, that, that, that we have that same desire that we don't, we're prepared, but we don't want to go. There's a work to do. We need to be about our father's business. My reading lesson tonight is going to be in John chapter 15. I'm sorry, John chapter 17. You remember that, for the preachers, you'll know what I'm talking about. When you scroll through your Bible and you got that little note that you got all your scriptures, scriptures written down on and you realize you left it at home on the table, 
That feeling that you feel inside? Yeah. <laughs> well, I had that a minute ago, but I'm thankful that God's bigger than any note that I could write, and he can always bring back what I need to talk about anyways. And those are just thoughts that I had and scriptures that I had written down, but it's sitting at home on my table, so uh, I'll, probably, I'll probably throw some, some scriptures out there that uh, are some numbers that ain't right, but we'll get there with the Lord's help. But it's, I love this chapter. You know, we talked about this this morning in Sunday school was uh, the Lord's Prayer. You know, they, you know, the Lord gives us what the world calls the Lord's Prayer, is that, that model prayer that the Lord gives his disciples when his disciples asked how we should pray. You know, that's just the, the, the model of how we should structure our prayer, the Lord, what the world can, would consider our Lord's Prayer. But we, ha- we have an example of here when our Lord prayed. He prayed for his disciples, he prayed for himself, and he prayed for his church. And, and I, I was debating on just picking out the scriptures that I wanted to read here, but I love the fact that... that um, this is my Savior. This is Jesus. And he's setting the example for us in prayer. So I want to read the whole thing. But I want to go back to that Lord's Prayer for just a minute because as I was thinking about this, there was something that, that in, the, in that model prayer that Jesus gave, there was something that he said there that, that I came across last year, the Lord revealed to me that just has just I mean, blessed me tremendously. And when he started out the prayer, he said, Our Father. And as I was reading that for just a moment there last year, it just touched my heart. Our Father. The same Father that Jesus has is my Father as well. And I can't tell you what that did for me when I thought about that. Starting the prayer out talking to the same Father of Jesus is my Father, which is in heaven. And hallowed is his name. And I'm thankful for that today that I know that I have the same father of Jesus. Reading here in John chapter 17. Y'all pray for me, please. These words spake Jesus and lifted his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hours come. Glorify thy son, that the son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou hast gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto men, which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them to me, and they have kept the word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. And they received them and have known surely that I am come come out from thee. And they have believed that thou didst send me. This means a lot to me here. I pray for them. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them that thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I glorified, I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep thou thine own name, or keep thou thine own name, those whom thou hast given me that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, 
because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not for that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be in one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou hast given, gavest me, I given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, and that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and, that, and hast loved them, as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these I have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them the name, and will declare it. That the love wherewith thou loved, thou hast loved me, may be in them, and I in them. Again, I was reading the whole chapter of, of, of John chapter 17. That's our, that's our Savior, Lord and Savior praying for his disciples, for himself, and for the church. And the thought that comes to my mind there is the very last chapter, or the very last verse in that chapter. And I have declared unto them thy name and will declare it. That the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. As we think about that last part there where he says that, thou, that the love wherein thou hast loved me may be in them. And I started thinking about that scripture for just a few minutes and, and, and there was what the Lord showed me a little bit about how the Father loved him and how the Father and how he loved the Father. So to make this simple and not to, not to try to draw it out any further than it needs to be, I thought about that love. And I would ask that you would pray for me, that I would be able to explain this the way that the Lord revealed it to me. We can go to John chapter 3 and verse 16, and we can see the love that I'm talking about here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. As I stopped to thought, think about that, and I thought about that love, that God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus. Jesus loved the Father so much that he was willing to go and down the cross. He loved us. He loved the Father. In the Garden of Gethsemane, it gives us a little picture of the, the human side of Jesus. And it's a side that, that I can relate to, of being weak. When he was in the garden and he was in such agony, he was there praying and his, his sweat was as great drops of blood. You know the story, you've heard it growing up. But for years, and, 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 and this relates to me, and, and, and for years I thought that when Jesus went back to the disciples and he told them, um, the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak, I thought for years that he was talking to the disciples because they were sleeping. 
I just automatically assumed it. I didn't think about it. It was just the way that my mind worked. It's the way that I pictured it. He was talking to the disciples. And then one day, one day, the Lord showed me that he had to go back two more times. The spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. It wasn't the disciples that Jesus was talking about. It was himself. It was himself. The human side of Jesus still had to submit to what was fixing to come. He went back and prayed. And it was finally, there was a point there in Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, right after this prayer he had with his disciples. There was a word there that says, nevertheless. When he was in the garden, he was praying, nevertheless. I don't know what happened before, between the word before nevertheless and the word after, but I can tell you something big happened right there. Whenever he succumbed to the will of the Father, he gave over his, his own flesh, his own body. He submitted to the will of the Father. He was willing to go to the point of death right then. Now, When I think about that love, I think about the prayer that we read there in John chapter 17 in that last little bit. That love wherewith thou hast loved me. You know, he loved, the, he loved Jesus enough to send him here for us. So what are we willing to send? What are we willing to give up? What are we willing to do for the Father? What are we willing to do for the church? That is the question. That is what is on my heart tonight. What are we willing to do? You know, I thought, I think, you know, well, is, what's this, what's this tied to? Is it, is it, is it our life? Is it our money? Is it our time? What is it? I don't know, but it's each individual has to come up with that themselves. Because for me to tell you what you need to do, for me to suggest what you should do, sometimes when people do that, even and as I think as a child, when somebody tells me what I'm supposed to do, I'll reject it. Sometimes I find that, that uh, it's easier to let the Father lead me in that direction. Finding what I need to do, finding out where it is. I, and I encourage, I've told my son this many times, if you're not making mistakes, you're not doing anything. If you're not stepping out and, and, and putting yourself in uncomfortable situations for the Lord, if you're not willing to, to go out of the way to, to, to do whatever it is that the Lord wants you to do. And sometimes, and I'm going to tell you this, and, and, and some, some people might not agree, and, and I don't want my wife to get nervous when I say these things, but, you know, there's times where I've done things thinking it was a father, and then he revealed it to me that wasn't him. But I would have never learned that experience. I would have never been able to discern whether it was me or whether it was a father unless I went out and done something. We have to be, a, you know, the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is a Bible of action. All the words that it, and all the, the things that he tells us are things that we should do, apply to our life, be doers of the word, not just hearers. You know, the word, and, and I've, I've, I don't like, some people, words change over time. The meaning of words change from different, even different regions of the country. But the word hope. Now, I have a, a hope in Jesus, which is a confident expectation, knowing that he, whatever he says will happen. But there's also a point where I don't like the word hope because it's a, it's a word of inaction. Because too many people want to, I hope this happens, but they don't do anything to move it along. Well, I hope I do good on my test. What did you study? I hope, I hope I get a better job. Well, have you applied for it? Have you studied? Have you done something to get to the point where you might get a better job? Or, or I hope they uh, get saved. Have you prayed for them? Oh, I hope uh, the, the, the spirit moves in church. Well, did you prepare yourself before you got here? I hope somebody gets saved in revival. Well, why do you wait to revival? Why do we wait to revival to hope that somebody gets saved? They can get saved on a Wednesday night. They can get saved at home in their bed. We should not be waiting till a season for somebody to get saved. I like it when the Lord moves before the service ever starts, don't you? Have you ever had, have you ever had service in Sunday school? I've, I've had it a few times. You know why? Because the people were prepared before they got there. 
It wasn't the Sunday school teacher. It was because the people were all in one mind and one accord when they walked into the building and the Spirit saw that and, they, and it moved upon the people. And that's why I get excited, I guess, when I hear these things, all these people shouting for, in one accord because I know that's just, that's just a, a, the, the evidence of sound and the, the power of engines going by the cars or whatever it is that would move me at that moment. But could you imagine how much more it would move his people if God's people, just a few came together with one mind, one accord, before they ever get to church? I'm not saying you're not. I'm just saying, think how much more it would, powerful it would be if we would continually have that up on our hearts. Because I want that love that he's talking about there. That love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them. Willing to give up my flesh. You know, at that moment of salvation, you, you were there. That moment of salvation, you were at that point where you had that same love that you wanted God more than yourself. You were willing to give up your own life just to obtain, uh, to get rid of that trouble, to get rid of that uh, uh, broken heart, to find peace. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. We'll get there in a minute. Ephesians chapter 5. And verse 25 gives us a little picture of that love. It says, husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Gave himself for it. That love that he was willing to give himself for the church. Romans chapter 8. We see another little picture of that love and how strong that love is. As I look back at that prayer in, in John chapter 17, and, and that prayer that he prayed for us, that we would be one with him, that we would be uh, as him and his father were one. And you can draw strength from that. The truth that is in that gives me comfort. That I'm willing to step out. I'm willing to put myself in uncomfortable situations for the Lord. Because I haven't found anything in this world else other than the Lord and His church that's worth doing that for. There's nothing else in this life. And I hope and pray that, that, that my children and the ones that are around me see that because no matter how far you go in life or what you obtain, there's nothing better than seeing your children work for the Lord. There's nothing better than knowing that they're trusting in the Lord. You know, I got a, a senior that's fixing to graduate and go out and go to college. And, you know, he's, we're looking at different colleges. We're looking at the process. And for me, you know, there's a part of me in the back of my head that's like, Stay close. Stay close. Don't go away. Stay where you can come to church. I know there's a point in life where you got to step back and let them, let them go out, but I know what's out there in the world. I know what can happen to those that get away from the church. There's nothing out there for you. Satan wants to destroy you. If he can destroy one of God's children, that's the, he loves that. He wants to destroy your character. He wants to destroy your influence. I think he gets more enjoyment out of, out of destroying the influence of a, of a saved person than anything else, of having influence on those around you. Romans chapter 8. It's 
starting with verse 31. We know these scriptures are familiar. There's nothing, like I said, there's nothing new, but this is just a, a reminder and encouragement of that love and what Jesus did. And we're willing to give up his life, willing to give up. And that's <clears throat> not always an easy thing. Because it is na it, by nature, uh, we are a selfish people. By nature, humans are a selfish people. We care about ourselves. We, get, we care about our wants. You know, there's, there's things that I want. There's things that I, that I want to obtain or want to do. They might not align with God. So what's right? Well, the Bible tells me it's clear that Jesus teaches that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, our mind, and soul. That doesn't leave room for anything else of what I want or what I desire. And that goes back to um, that goes back to what I said when I started. I'm thankful for the simplicity of the gospel. I don't have to have an opinion. I don't have to have uh, um, to choose or to try to figure out what's right and wrong. The gospel gives it to me. He's written it in my heart. I know when it's right and when it's wrong. I've just got to be willing to trust it. And that's not always easy to do. But when we get to a point, and I believe this kind of relates to what Paul was saying in Philippians when he said, no matter what I find myself, whether I be a, a full or hungry, whatever, whatever condition I find myself in, I, I'm content. When, he, when his heart and his mind is aligned with God, he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. When he's in the, his heart and mind is aligned with Christ. When we're where we need to be, when we have things in the proper perspective, when we um, have put forth effort to pray, to put forth effort to prepare our hearts and minds before we ever come to church or when we get up in the morning or before we even make a decision on, on life. Do I always do it? No, because it's so easy just to make a decision and go on. Sometimes it, it's easy just to, just to and, and, and some people are stubborn like me. Some people will be even willing to take the punishment because it's the easier route. I know this isn't what God wants, but I'll just go ahead and do it because I'm more comfortable with doing it this way and deal with the consequences later. The Israelites did that a lot. I would encourage you, even though you might be comfortable doing it this way or that way, if God is directing your heart, and that goes, and that's not just, that's not just church things, that's life things. That's life decisions. Life's, um, and why do we do this? Because be willing to give up our free choice to do this or to do that uh, draws us closer to the Lord. You know, it builds that relationship with him as, as um, it talks about there in Romans chapter five. You know, those trials and tribulations that you face in life, the experiences that you face, they, are, they bring you closer to the Lord. And, but to do that, we're gonna have to put ourselves in a, some uncomfortable situations. And when we do that, this is why the scriptures is important too, because again, the simplicity of it, you can apply it. In those situations, you can draw strength from situations that's happened in the Bible, either the Old Testament or the New Testament. You can find situations that are relevant to what you're facing today. And when, say, well, I haven't had time to study out this uh, situation, so what do I do? Well, you go back to this part. I, I read uh, Romans chapter eight and, and, and I draw a lot of comfort from it. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also make intercession for us, for us. And who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation or distress or persecutions or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. As it is written, for, we, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep to the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's pretty clear. 
It's not like you've got to break, down that, break that down and try to analyze it and figure it out. If you're one of God's and he's directing your heart, now if you choose to go your own direction and make a decision on your own, don't always expect it to work out. But if you're trusting in the Lord and you're following his direction and he's given, even if it doesn't make sense to the world, did you know faith is not understanding? Just so you understand that. Faith is not having understanding. There's a lot of times God tells us, can you Abraham did not understand what he, what he was going to face when God told him to leave. He did not understand what he was fixing to face, but he went anyways. Can you imagine how, how long Noah built that ark? Built that boat on dry ground and it never rained? There was a, I can't fathom that. I have trouble doing the simple things. But no matter what we face or what he tells us to do. If we're doing what he asks us to do. If we're following his will. If we get to that point where we say nevertheless. I want to do this Lord. Nevertheless. Not my will but thine. Even if it cost us money or cost us time cost us energy or cost us material gain whatever it is if it's for the Lord it's worth it if it's if one lost person would get saved it's worth it we might not understand it until we get to heaven we might not we might not ever see any evidence of the things that God tells us to do you know, the, uh, when I've studied a lot of the military things, and, and one of the things that Special Forces and Navy SEALs, all of them do before they go into battle, they prepare their mind. They go, over the, they go over scenarios in their mind before they ever go outside. They drill it into them constantly. They, before they went to, to, to attack um, um, Osama bin Laden, they built a mock house of where he lived and practiced for a month for a month solid they practiced before they ever went they set up different scenarios they thought of different things that could happen even helicopter crashes to prepare them for that situation and we get up in the morning put our clothes on leave the house we get up and come to church what have we prepared for It is the utmost importance for us to be preparing our minds constantly, thinking about situations that we could be put in. How do we handle it? God, what, you know, meditation is, is a huge part of, of being close to the Lord. I don't always do it, but I can tell you there's a time when I get really good at it, and that's when I'm driving down the road. Turn off the radio, turn off the music, turn off the, and I just drive and talk to God. And there's some times where I'll get to where I'm going and I don't even remember how I got there. Just because I was listening. And there's other times in the morning that, that I can just get up and, and listen to the quiet. Now, I won't turn on anything. Sometimes, you know, I just, I just sit there. I don't always do it, but there's times where the quiet, just listening for God. Thinking about the situations of the day. Thinking about things that are how I could... Uh, Things that might happen that day. We need to prepare ourselves before we go to battle. And, you know, in Ephesians, I got this on my desk at work, and, and it's one of my top scriptures in the Bible. You know, we talk about the armor of God, how we should put it on, and what it does. And people go into great depth of what it means, and they miss verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 10 says, In the power of his might. That's where the armor begins. If you try to put on anything else without the power of his might, you're going to fail. We get up in the morning, we prepare ourselves in the power of his might. We get up, we come to church, we get our hearts and minds ready in the power of his might, ready to face whatever we're going to face in this life. Because I want my church to be prepared for what's out there. 
I want my children to be prepared. I want the ones that I love, uh, which is God's church, to be prepared to face the things that we're fixing to face. And I do believe that it's going to get worse. But you know what? That excites me. It kind of concerns me for my family. It concerns me for the welfare of things. But it kind of excites me too. Because what happens when, the, when God's church is persecuted? What happens to it? It grows. So if it means that I gotta if it means that I've gotta lose monetary things, if it means that I've gotta struggle worse so the church grows, then so be it. Because I would rather see the church grow than my than my checking account, than my possessions that I have. Because I can't take them with me. They're not rewards. The rewards that we have, we know the scripture. To be in heaven, not this place. I, and let me tell you, I can tell you right now, you can ask my wife, I'm, I'm, I've got cars at home that discourage me to death. You know, it's like I, I'm tired of working on things. I really get to the point where, you know, it'd be just easier just to make another payment and be done with it. I'm tired of working on things. I get to the point where I just want to give up. Uh, but you know, Yesterday, when I got to working on the car again, and I stopped and I asked the Lord to help me. And I think somebody was praying for me too. I'm not sure if she was upstairs or if somebody else, but there was somebody around that was praying for me because everything just fell into place yesterday. I got so much done on it, and hopefully by the next time I get to work on it, I might have one that'll work. Um, but you know, th those, those things like that are just uh, the uh, experiences that I get in life that help me grow closer to the Lord. And I'm thankful for that. Even though I don't feel so thankful at the time, I'm thankful for those opportunities that the Lord gives me to trust him a little bit more. Uh, that he, the strength that he gives me when I get tired to, to keep going, uh, that I want to give up sometimes. And, uh, you know, on Tuesday or Thursday morning, I get, you know, 10 views at the most sometimes. I'm like, well, what's the point? Well, if one person gets blessed or if one person's, if I help one person that day, that's, that was worth it. And I got to keep that in my mindset. And when I come on Sunday night and, and there's five people at a church, those five people are important. They love the Lord enough to come and, and hear the gospel. And I need to be, I need to have that mindset before I ever get there. And, and, and that's, you know, Satan wants me to be discouraged. Satan wants you to be discouraged because things aren't happening the way that you think they should happen. But God's word never goes for, forward void. It always does its work. It's capable of cutting out anything that might be standing in the way of a lost sinner. It can, it can take out anything that might be standing in the way of, a, of God's creature being able to do something for him. But we've got to believe it. You know, there was a, there was a part in that scripture uh, in, in John chapter 16 that I read earlier. Um, you know, Jesus was telling his disciples there in the upper room, and, he, and, you know, he's telling them all these things are going to happen. And they, they said something. And he says, do you now believe? Seriously, like you seriously, just now you're believing? It's like we know these things. We study the scriptures and we live like we don't. We live like we don't believe sometimes. And I want to encourage you to start living like you believe the word of God. In every aspect, every single aspect of your life, that's not easy to do. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I do it. But I can sit here and tell you when I do do it, it works right. It works out. I, I have situations that's happened in my life that I trusted the Lord in. I listened to him. I set my expectations here. Don't you love it when you've got these expectations and God comes out way up here? He blows my expectations out of the water every single time. We have to quit letting society control our narrative. The news cycle, it'll be something new next week. And there'll be a new problem the next two weeks later after that. And if they want you to quit focusing on that, they'll just change, they'll just change the news cycle and, and report something different so you quit thinking about this. 
Satan does the same thing to us. We, we have the lost people on our hearts. We need to be uh, focusing on our relationship with, the God, with God first. And, and, and I hate to say it this way, but if our late relationship is the right way, the lost sinners will be a byproduct of us living the life that we need to live. Putting God first in our life and first in our church, and then the lost people will get saved. And what happens is, is, is we get so focused on the lost that we lose perspective of who God is. Because, and I say this with all love in my heart, that there are times where we make the lost, we worship the lost instead of worshiping God. I know God will save because he saved me. I have no doubt in my heart that he'll save everyone that will seek after him. And we need to live like it. We need to worship like it. And then we'll see things happening. And, and as a parent, that's hard. Of a, a parent of a lost child is hard. And I'm praying for you. I want you to know that I'm, if you, I'm praying for your children, but I'm praying for you too because I understand that you love your children and, and you want them to be saved. And sometimes it can be your focus. It can be you get so discouraged because you, don't, you think they should be saved already. But God knows what he's doing. And we got to trust in him. And I want to encourage you, parents. Let your children see you struggle. Let them see you struggle and rely on the Lord. Because it's going to teach them to do the same thing. You know, we want to portray this, 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 this way of life. Or this, but let me tell you, it, it's hard. I don't care who you are. I don't care how, what, what's going on in your life. We all have hard times. And our children need to see that. And they need to see us relying on the Lord. They need to see us praying. I'm not, I don't pray like I should in front of my family. To be honest with you, for the majority of Logan's life, we never had devotion. We haven't had prayer at home for a while. Uh, it's, it's a habit that we got out of. We got real good at it there for a while. We have prayer every night. And, and, and right before we go to bed, we get the family in the living room. We'd all try to take turns praying. And then, you know, we, over the summertime, we kind of slipped up and, and we hadn't started back yet. That's something I've got to work on. It's my fault as the leader of the household. And, but I want to encourage you to have family devotion. It doesn't have to be nothing big. Just simple prayer as a family. But I love this church. I love what you stand for. And God's people will always be the most beautiful thing. And I'm praying for you and you're lost. And again, if you're here and you're lost, you don't have to be. You don't have to stay that way. God wants to save you. But I don't know what it's going to take, but God does. And I encourage you to ask God to help you, to break your heart, to show you what it is. Whatever, do whatever you got to do. If you got to go outside and pray in a graveyard, if you got to go downstairs and pray, if you got to pray at home, if you got to pray here, you pray wherever God directs your heart. But don't stop. Don't stop praying.